Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about bears. A year ago, crikey, has it really been a year? We did an episode on this podcast on China's foundation myth. Specifically, we talked about the Yellow Emperor. Just to remind you, this was what supposedly happened around 4,700 years ago. The Yellow Emperor led a coalition of tribes, and first he fought and defeated and won the allegiance of his half-brother, the Red Emperor, who led his own coalition of tribes. The two sets of tribes now joined together, as the two brothers were now joined together, and they turned southward to fight a more fearsome, still, enemy, the leader of the southern tribes called Chiyou. Chiyou was said to be a supreme warrior. Some sources even describe him as having a body as tough as bronze, or made of bronze. Some even worshipped him as the god of war. Perhaps not surprisingly, then, initially, the Yellow Emperor found his adversary all but unbeatable. After nine battles, the Yellow Emperor had managed to win none. And supposedly, Chiyou knew magic so as to be able to conjure fog to confuse the Yellow Emperor's troops. But in the end, the gods favored the Yellow Emperor. The black goddess of the nine realms, Jiu Tian came to the Yellow Emperor and gave him a dragon. It was only then that the Yellow Emperor triumphed over his southern rival. And it was only in the wake of that victory that the Yellow Emperor went on to be regarded as the mythical founder of China. As Romulus and Remus were to Rome, so the Yellow Emperor was to China. Recently, I've had occasion to consider once again a curious fact about this man and what it might mean. And I thought I'd share with you this fun fact today. What we know about figures from the ancient past is often dim and hazy, inevitably wrapped up in myth and impossible to verify. Pieces of information may be mutually contradictory, terms may not mean what they seem to mean to us moderns, yet different words may refer to the same things, and so on and so forth. In the case of the Yellow Emperor Huang Di, we are told that he and the Red Emperor Yan Di were half-brothers because they were both sons of Shao Dian. Shao Dian, though, might not have been a person but the name of a tribe, and perhaps the Yellow Emperor and the Red Emperor were sons of Shao Dian in the sense that their respective tribes came out of that ancestral tribe. 
The historical records of Sima Qian tells us that the Yellow Emperor was surnamed Gongsun and bore the given name Shenyuan. But the Qing Dynasty scholar Cui Shu pointed out that Gongsun would be a very strange surname for the Yellow Emperor, since the name literally means the grandson of a lord, meaning the peer of the realm in the feudal system that arose much later. As for the given name, Shenyuan, well, the historical records also tells us that the Yellow Emperor lived by a hill called Shenyuan. So, was he really named Shenyuan, and the hill came to be named after him? Or was the hill named Shenyuan, and some people came to call him by the name of his address? Both of these characters, by the way, Xuan and Yuan, carry semantic meanings related to chariots, not exactly a primeval object or concept. Another ancient source composed during the early Warring States period tells us that the Yellow Emperor grew up by a river called Zi, and so he took the river's name as his surname. Zi which, interestingly, carries the arguably humble semantic meaning of concubine, was later the royal surname during the Zhou dynasty. All of these details about the Yellow Emperor are interesting and difficult enough to ascertain. But today I want to focus on one more factoid that fascinates me. Shao Dian the Yellow Emperor's father, was said to be the king or the leader of the nation or tribe called Youxiong. Youxiong in Chinese means have bear. Translated one way, then, the ancient sources say that the Yellow Emperor was king of the tribe that has bears. Bears. What about bears? Are we really talking about bears as in the animal? Didn't the Yellow Emperor use the dragon as his totem? Isn't that why the symbol of imperial authority throughout Chinese history came to be the dragon? But, ah, you may point out, the dragon only became the Yellow Emperor's totem, according to the myth anyway, after the black goddess of the Nine Realms, gave him a dragon. So, what was his tribal totem before that? One theory is that just as Ji was simply the name of a river, and Xunyuan was simply the name of a hill, so Youxiong was simply a geographical destination, the area where the tribe was based. Maybe the area at the time had a lot of bears, hence its name. Another theory says that the character for bear, Xiong, in ancient Chinese simply meant leader. The tribe that has a bear now becomes, blandly, the tribe that has a leader. The third possibility is that the ancient tribe led by the Yellow Emperor 
really used the bear as its totem and worshipped the animal as its god and its guardian. In this connection, it's perhaps worth remembering that Fu Xi, the mythical figure predating even the Yellow Emperor, was sometimes called the Yellow Bear. And the royal family of the Kingdom of Chu during the Spring and Autumn and Warring States periods, who claimed lineage from the Yellow Emperor, was surnamed Xiong Bear. And compared to the dragon, the bear enjoys the benefit of being a real animal that exists in nature, rather than a mythical one. To early humans, at least those living in parts of the globe where bears roamed, the animal would have surely been an object of terror as well as awe. Actually, we know this last part for a fact. Bear worship was a common religious practice across northern Eurasia. Still is, in some quarters. From the Sami of Finland to the Ainu of northern Japan, early humans knew to fear and to worship bears. A myth of an ursine ancestor, that is, a story about a bear mating with a woman and producing a male heir, is an ancestor myth found in North America, Japan, China, Siberia, and Northern Europe. The Neanderthals might have had a bear cult. Ancient Slavs were known to worship bears during pagan times, when they associated the animal with the god Volos. As of the 1920s, the Altaic peoples of Siberia were still observed worshipping bears. Bear festivals are still common in the Pyrenees, on the border between France and Spain. Bear festivals tracing back to pre-Christian Dacian times also persist in parts of Romania. Among many Indo-European peoples, even the name of the bear carried terrible power. The English word bear is in fact a euphemism, as are similar words in sister languages such as Bjorn in German and the Scandinavian languages. Bear, Bjorn, actually means brown. Ancient Germanic speakers were so afraid of bears, so worried that speaking its true name would summon the terrifying beast, that they instead called it the brown one. The same goes for other languages as well. In Russian, the word for bear is medvid, meaning the honey seeker. An obvious euphemism. Medvedev of the bears is a common Russian surname. The true name for bear in English has in fact been lost because for so long people never dared to say it. Although at the same time we can be pretty certain that the ancient English word for bear would have sounded something like arctos the Greek word for bear, the usual Indo-European root for bear being arcto. 
we call the Arctic region the Arctic, in fact, because it's the region of polar bears. And the Antarctic is, of course, the opposite of the Arctic, the Antarctic, the opposite side of the land of the bears. And the English word Arthur clearly derives from the same. Earlier I mentioned the Sami people of Finland. Well, in ancient Finnish paganism, the bear was similarly considered a taboo animal, so that its name, Oxy, was never spoken. The modern Finnish word for bear, karhu, means coarse, referring to the coarseness of a bear's fur. Again, a euphemism. All considered, then, it seems more than a little likely that the ancient Chinese shared in the bear cult common across northern Eurasia. And instead of treating the word for bear as a taboo word, perhaps the Chinese endowed it with a meaning of honor, the leader of a tribe. And this I find truly mind-blowing. A paper appeared last year in the journal Molecular Genetics and Genomics, in which the authors argued that the Sino-Tibetan family of languages originated at the Neolithic site in China called Sishan culture, while the Finno-Uralic or Finno-Ugric language family originated at a site called Zhaobaogou culture. Both are located in northern China, on the footsteps of Manchuria. Around 4200 BC, Cishan culture displaced Zhaobaogou culture, forcing its people to flee. Without this conflict and this initial migration, the Finno-Ugric speakers of the world would not have ultimately ended up where they are today. That would include the Finns of Finland and the Hungarians of Hungary. And Cishan culture, the people who pushed them out, developed into the Yoshung tribe of the Yellow Emperor, the tribe that has the bears, the tribe that ultimately gave us China. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.